Uh, all these parables speak to the surprising origin of this kingdom, how it grows, and the immense value that it holds for all those who find it and truly understand it. So what is this kingdom that Jesus is talking about? Well, to put it simply, it is that he is talking about the sovereign rule of God. It is the long-awaited redemption of God's people, their submission to his rule over them, and the complete overthrow of God's enemies. So if we want to truly understand God's kingdom and God, we should take note of what Jesus says in these parables. However, when we read through these parables, sometimes, I'm sure many of you could say, they don't really make a lot of sense sometimes. They can be hard to understand and we wonder why Jesus just wasn't a bit more direct and obvious with what he was saying. Um, if you're thinking that, don't worry. His disciples asked the exact same question earlier on in this chapter. Uh, in verse 10 of Matthew 13, his disciples ask, why do you speak to the people in parables? And Jesus replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you, but not to them. Knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven is not something that everyone understands. And the kingdom that Jesus came to reveal is in a shape and form that his audience were not expecting either. They were expecting a kingdom of this world, a kingdom with a mighty king who would overthrow their current rulers, the Romans, take the throne and bring peace and prosperity to them here and now. Yet that's not why Jesus came. And that's because, as we read in John 18.36, Jesus says, My kingdom is not of this world. The kingdom of heaven is not just the kingdom of this world. It does not advance through the traditional forms of warfare and fighting like other earthly kingdoms do. Instead, it spreads through the proclamation of the gospel as it moves out through the world to the very ends of the earth. And as people are changed by the power of this gospel, which scripture tells us is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes, his kingdom grows. As more and more people are impacted by its message and understand the immense value of this kingdom, they enter into it. In the parable of the net that we're looking at today, Jesus speaks of the kingdom of heaven as being like a net that is thrown into the sea and gathers all kinds of fish. And helpfully, the meaning of this parable is given to us directly by Jesus in verses 49 and 50. The emphasis of this particular parable that Jesus wanted his disciples, and by extension us, to understand and focus on, is the separation of the good fish from the bad, or as he goes on to explain later, the righteous from the wicked. Those who are in God's kingdom now and will remain there, and those who will be cast out into a blazing furnace, another way of referring to hell. So this is a parable about the final judgment that is coming at the end of the age. And that's where our focus will be today. And we'll look at that in three points. Firstly, how the kingdom of God is like a net. Secondly, the separation that is coming. And finally, the destination for all those who are cast out of God's kingdom. That leads me to my first point. The kingdom of God is like a net. Have a look again with me at verse 47 of Matthew chapter 13. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. Now, at the time when Jesus is speaking here, fishing was a very common way of life for many people. 
Several of the apostles are specifically referred to as fishermen, and so the imagery that Jesus uses here would be very familiar to them and understood easily. And the specific type of net that Jesus mentions here in this passage refers to a drag net or a seine net that many of you might have heard of. This is a term that generally refers to a very large net which remained an important fishing method on the Sea of Galilee up until more recent times. These nets were massive. A seine net is typically shaped as a long wall. Uh, while they do vary in size, they could easily be over 300 metres in length. One end of the net would be attached to a boat, and while the other end is anchored either to the shore or another boat in the water, um, the boat would slowly move through the water, letting the net out behind it, and then as it moves through the water, it catches everything there. On the top of the net would be cork or wood to help it float, and then you'd have sinkers on the bottom to make it sink, obviously. Uh, making a wall that would move through the water and as it passes through, funnel fish into a smaller and smaller area, trapping them inside. Once the fish were trapped, uh, the net could be fully drawn in, the fish examined and sorted based on the fisherman's expertise and knowledge. And now you will notice in verse 47, this is a net which gathers up everything in its path. There is no discrimination. All kinds of fish, both the good and the bad, are collected by this net. And very likely not just fish either, but seaweed and many other things that would be swept up as the net moves through the water. So that's the picture that we have here in this barrel. A huge net containing fish and whatever else has gotten caught up in it, being closed up, drawn in, when it is deemed to be full. And just as the net is cast into the ocean and drawing in many kinds of fish, so too the message of God goes out into the world as it is proclaimed. It is a message that draws in all people without discrimination. Just as all kinds of fish are caught up by the net, so too are all kinds of people brought in to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven is an inclusive one. It is open to all people, regardless of their background or circumstance. We even get a glimpse of that in Revelation 7, verse 9, which is the last book in the Bible, which reveals what kinds of people will be, uh, what kinds of people will be in this kingdom at the end of the age. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. So if this kingdom that Jesus is speaking of to us today uh, sweeps through the world and catches everything, or perhaps more rightly everyone in its path, like a giant dragnet, does that mean that every single person will be included in this kingdom? Well, as we see in the next verses, that is not the case. And that brings me to my second point, the separation that is coming. Have a look with me at verses 48 and 49. When it, that is the dragnet, was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous. These verses have some similarities with an earlier parable uh, in this chapter, a parable of the weeds. Uh, in that parable, Jesus spoke about good seed and bad seed growing together. Here he speaks about good fish and bad fish being collected together by the same net. Both parables speak of the separation that is to come at the end of the age. Here in this parable, when the net is full, 
the fishermen pull it on to the shore. They sit down, they collect the good fish in baskets and throw the bad fish away. For the fishermen, bad fish would be those that couldn't be used, uh, either because they were unclean due to Jewish, Jewish law or unfit for market or eating for some other reason. Just because a fish is captured by this net, there is no guarantee that it would be fit to be collected into a basket and stored with the other good fish. And we are here told by Jesus that it will be the same for his kingdom at the end of the age. Judgment is coming. Just as each of the fish are carefully examined, all who are caught up in the net of God's kingdom will likewise be judged based on how they respond to Jesus. When the end of the age comes, God will separate the righteous from the wicked and bring everything under his complete rule. And just like being caught up in the net is no guarantee of being collected by the fishermen and stored with the other good fish, being caught up in the sweeping net of God's kingdom is no guarantee that you will remain there with them. One does not become a Christian by going to church every Sunday or surrounding themselves by the people who do go to church or say and do the right things. No, a Christian is someone who has encountered the living God, been changed from within by his spirit, and with great joy receives the promise of salvation through Christ alone that is proclaimed in his gospel. Unless we have received and been changed by the good news of the kingdom that Jesus speaks of here, we will not be counted among the righteous when judgment comes. Jesus says in John 3 verse 3, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. It is not enough to be gathered up in the kingdom net. The kingdom must be in you. You must be changed from within, otherwise the one who knows every one of our thoughts and can discern our hearts will reveal us to be frauds when that day comes and we will be cast out of his kingdom forever. We must be born again. You may say that you know the Lord. You might think that Jesus was a pretty good guy, maybe even a great teacher that told us how we should live. But, yeah, maybe you've even been going to church your entire life. But do you know the Lord? Have you been born again, as it says in John 3, 3? Have you received Christ with joy and thanksgiving, knowing that without his atoning sacrifice for you on the cross, you would have no hope? but to be counted among the bad fish when judgment comes. All of us will be judged and there will be a separation of the good from the bad. Those that submit to God's, to the king of this heavenly kingdom will be among the good and the bad, those who reject God and the salvation that he freely offers to all who put their trust in Christ. Those who defy God and his authority, and refuse to submit to his rule, will not be a part of this kingdom, even if they are swept up among other people that do. This is a message and kingdom that all people need to know about. And the reality of the judgment that is coming for all people should cause us to consider whether we ourselves have truly understood this good news of Jesus. And if we do think that we've truly understood it, this should spur us on to share the news of this kingdom with other people so that they too might come to the same understanding that we have. Perhaps this is a message that you say you wouldn't believe or maybe you remain unconvinced by what you've heard so far today. 
Maybe this is your first time hearing about it, or just one of many. If that is you, can I urge you to reconsider? Investigate the claims of Jesus. Earnestly seek to know the truth about his kingdom. If you have heard these words today, then you cannot say that you were not warned about the dangers of rejecting Christ and his kingdom when he does return. And in saying that, the Bible also has some sobering things to say about people who we might be tempted to view as outside of this kingdom net. The Bible says these words in Romans 1, 18 to 20. The wrath of God is being revealed against heaven, against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that the people are without excuse. In Acts 17.30-31 we read, In the past God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. The ruler of this kingdom that Jesus proclaims is the sovereign Lord of the universe. And ignorance of him or his kingdom is not a valid defence when he returns at the end of the age to separate the wicked from the righteous. We're all able to look out at creation and see God, uh, see what God has created, marvelling at its beauty and know, know that he is the one that has done it. And this God who has revealed himself to us commands all people everywhere to repent. We are all without excuse, as the Apostle Paul puts it in Romans. The coming separation that Jesus speaks of, is coming, which is coming for all people, uh, that's a terrible sentence. Uh, yeah, okay, let me reread that. Sorry. Uh, the coming separation that Jesus speaks of in this parable represents the final judgment, which is coming for all people, uh, in which those who have accepted the love and grace of God will be separated from those who have rejected him. You may then say, as some do, well, that's fine. I don't need God. I'm quite happy on my own or with my friends who also don't need him or believe in him. Even if there is a hell, well, at least I'll be able to have some fun there with some cool people. Well, if that's your thinking, can I warn you with the terrifying description that Jesus gives here about the destination for those who are cast out of his kingdom at the end of the age? And that brings us to my final point, the destination of those who are cast out. Have a look with me at verses 49 to 50. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The image that we have here from Jesus is a frightening one. He likens hell to a blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's a frightening description from Jesus himself of what awaits those who are cast out of the kingdom of heaven. Now, a blazing furnace doesn't really conjure up the party atmosphere that many people jokingly have when it comes to hell. Hell isn't a place where all the cool and interesting people will be, all the rock stars. It's not a place of joy and laughter. There won't be parties every day and night. We also see the response of the people who are in hell, don't we? weeping 
and gnashing of teeth. That is, people weeping at their predicament with great sadness and gnashing or grinding their teeth in pain and likely anger as well at the God whose kingdom they have rejected and been cast out of forever. It's not a fun place at all. Hell is a fearful doctrine and one that many of us would probably like to not think about too much or even ignore entirely. And that's probably especially true when we consider our friends, family and many others who currently don't follow Christ. But Jesus spoke of it frequently during his earthly ministry and therefore we cannot ignore the reality of its existence either. And to get a better idea of just uh, the true image of what Jesus taught about hell. I'll mention some other descriptions which you can uh, look up on your own time. Uh, Matthew 25, Jesus describes hell as a place of darkness in verse 30, a place of eternal fire, verse 31, and as eternal punishment in verse 46. Uh, in Luke 16, we have the story of Lazarus and the rich man, which Jesus told. Uh, in that, he describes hell as a place of torment, and agony and a place of no return for those who end up there. In Mark 9, hell is described as an unquenchable fire and a place where the worm does not die. And there are many other such examples. What Jesus shows us in these and other passages of Scripture is that hell is not a place you want to end up. It is a place of eternal punishment and suffering for all who go there. And it is probably also worth mentioning that contrary to what many in our society today believe, hell is not just a place for the very worst of us. For the most hardened criminals, people like Hitler and Stalin, and people who kick dogs. No, the reality is that hell is the default destination for all of us because we've all sinned against or rejected the infinitely worthy God who's created our universe. Hell is where we're all naturally headed if we continue in our rebellion against God and trust in our own works to save us. But thankfully, there is a way that we can be certain that we will avoid ending up at such a terrifying destination, and that is by receiving Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour. And that, I think, is the reason why Jesus spoke about hell so often. It is a dreadful place, yes, but in Christ we can find the forgiveness and salvation that only he can bring. The forgiveness that sinful people like you and me desperately need. He spoke so often about hell so that we can know judgment is coming and there will be a separation from the righteous and the wicked and to warn us of the only hope we have, which is to repent, turn from ourselves and turn to God and put our trust in him. If perhaps you're hearing this for the first time, or maybe this is the first time that you've truly understood your great need for salvation through Christ alone, then can I implore you, turn from your sin. Turn to Jesus, the one who saves. Turn to the one who is eager to forgive your many sins against him, because he is the one who promises to grant eternal rest for all who come to him. The same Jesus who gives such grave warnings about the dangers of hell says these words in Matthew 11, 28 to 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to that, Jesus.
So, as we near the end, let me ask you the same questions. Question that Jesus asks his disciples after all of these parables about the kingdom of God. It says this, have you understood all these things? The answer his disciples give is simply yes, but what is your answer? The parable of the kingdom can be puzzling to many of us, and I'm sure that there are many of us who don't understand absolutely everything in the parables of Jesus. But what we are to do is to believe what we do understand and live our lives accordingly with Jesus Christ as our Lord. Are you able to admit that you are a sinner who has rebelled against a holy God and that you are deserving of his judgment and that despite that frightening reality also recognise that he has displayed his great love for us by sending his son Jesus into the world to take the punishment that we deserve in our place and in doing so has opened up a way for us to be reconciled to God and brought into his kingdom forever. If so, submit your life to Jesus. Follow him as your Lord and Saviour. Act decisively like, a man, like the man who we heard about last week who discovered a great treasure and joyfully sold all that he had so he could buy the field in order to be certain to attain it. The net of God's kingdom draws in all kinds of people, but it is not all that are caught up that are going to remain in that kingdom at the end of the age. If we have understood the teaching of this parable, then we have a tremendous responsibility to share the news of this kingdom with others. And we don't share this message just so people would enter into the kingdom net in this life, so we'd have more people in church. No, we share that so that they can truly come to know our great God who sent his beloved son to give his life as a ransom for many. We share this message so that they can experience the eternal rest that comes through receiving the gift of salvation that is found in Christ alone, the only hope that any of us as sinners has. As we go on about our lives and on into the new year ahead of us, let us make it a priority to eagerly share this news with other people that God has placed around us. Let's tell our friends, our family, our classmates and co-workers, and yes, even strangers, all about our wondrous God. Share with them the wonderful things that you've learnt about in church or in your own study of God's word. Let us invite people along to church on Sunday or even throughout the week with the exciting uh, opportunities that we'll have with this new building uh, as we go on into this year. Let us show our care for others by answering and exploring any questions they might have about our great God or his word to us, the Bible. Whatever opportunities we have in our lives, let us use them for his glory and to proclaim the good news of his kingdom to everyone. Let us bring people into this kingdom net and earnestly pray that they would come to understand the gospel, be born again, and truly know our great God for themselves. Perhaps the kingdom we've talked about today still doesn't make too much sense to you. Or maybe something today has brought up additional questions. Please don't let those go unasked uh, before you go away today. Come and have a chat with myself or someone else that you've seen up the front. We would love to let you know about this kingdom and the, the king who we serve, Jesus. May all of us be found among the good fish when that final day comes and have the privilege of hearing, well done, good and faithful servant and spend a joyous eternity with our great God in his kingdom. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, thank you that your kingdom is open to all people, regardless of who we are or what we have done. Please help each of us to carefully examine ourselves. Help us to understand you, your kingdom, and our place in it. Help us also to share the good news of this kingdom and its King Jesus with others so that they too would come to know the hope and forgiveness that is found in him alone and find a true and lasting eternal rest for their souls. Amen.